welcome to Northern Latitudes. I'm Bill Alt. Marianne Iveson is a media professional with experience in radio broadcasting, television, voiceover, and live hosting. In the last year, she has started her own business and launched Let's Take This Outside, a podcast where she talks to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature. Welcome to Northern Latitudes, Marianne. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to applaud you for that yeah, live intro. Thanks. Nailed yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Good job. That's nerve-wracking. Yeah, I don't know if I yeah, nailed I, it, I don't even it was pretty good. I don't even record my my intros live. <laughs> well, I don't usually, but I, but I, I want to start doing it because I think it leads into things better. I, I yeah, it, I don't I, disagree with you on that. I think it just makes it you know more personal, and that's what this is all about talk about let's take this outside let's take this outside you want me to tell you about it all about tell me about it i was in radio for like over 12 years and i thought when i got laid off that i would never do anything like like that again i thought i would just move to voiceover or do other things and never start a podcast or record audio or do interviews ever again and through some convincing by some friends and thinking about what do I truly want to do? What do I truly want to talk about? What is, what's, my, what's my passion? What's my love? The outdoor space and interviewing people and talking about nature. What comes naturally? What, uh, what do I want to talk about? What am I passionate about? And that's where Let's Take This Outside came from. And so far, it seems off to a really good start. In fact, we've even had crossover on guests. Adam Schultz was one of our, our mutual guests already. But yeah, I just started a couple months ago and it's going like, per, it's going pretty well. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's I'm unhappy. It's like you wake up and you go, damn, like this is episode 10 for us. And it's like, hmm, wow, that's almost impressive. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, and it's, and, and you know, it's just, it's, uh, it's a lot of work. Like, luckily, I have um, a production team at the Sandoff Network. Matt and the team there are, are amazing, but it's still a lot of work to like find guests and interview people and do, and do your homework. But at the end of the day, I rely on just real conversation between me and an athlete or an outdoor professional and um, sometimes just scrapple the notes <laughs> that I made. And we just have uh, some really great conversations about nature and, and outdoor athletics. You're from Tilbury, right? Originally, way back mm-hmm. down In southern Ontario. Yeah, southern yeah, Ontario. yeah. Where did Where did the passion for nature come from, like way back? Mm. Yeah, it starts pretty early on. Grew up on a farm. My parents have a couple hundred acres still. That's all I did was play outside. Uh, my my brother is only a couple years older. My sister's quite a bit older, but my brother and I just played outside a lot. And you know, we worked out in the farm. We hoed weeds in 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 the in the fields. We picked rocks. You know, we took four wheeler rides. We uh, went spear fishing in the creek. Uh, we you know, it, it, some, a lot of my childhood was yeah. I said spear fishing in the creek. That's the, that's what we say. So, um, that's yeah. That's what my that's what my my life was like. So, but my actual like passion for hiking, my passion for uh, like outdoor athletics, didn't really come into like my mid twenties. You said crick. I know I did on purpose. I grew yeah. up. Yeah. I grew. I grew up saying crick. Right. Yeah. It's so. It's so right? funny. It's so funny. It's. Yeah, like you, you still catch yourself doing it once in a while. If somebody says creek, you go, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to say creek. But no, I grew up saying creek. We have a creek. I live where I live right now is still in the same creek I grew up on. <laughs> right. So like, I find that if I'm just talking about a creek that's nearby, but if I'm referring to the creek by my, my parents' house, it's the creek and you're spearfishing in the creek, right? 
that's that's just what that's, that's just what it is. That's so nice. That's amazing to hear somebody else mm-hmm. say crick. I can't tell you how good I feel now about somebody else yeah. saying crick. <laughs> you feel bonding right now? It's like that little club. Now we, we have two things in common. We say crick and we both know John Sanfilippo. So there we go. It, it's a know? great, That's a, those are two major, these are two major wins in our, in my books. So you are an aspiring outdoor athlete. To what do you aspire to? Hmm. That's a good question. Aspiring. Uh, so when I think of like an outdoor athlete, I think of people like who I just interviewed, uh, like Lindsay Webster and and her husband, Ryan, who have won like multiple Spartan World Championships. She like podiumed at the Gatineau-Lopit. Like I think of like professional athletes when I think of athletes, right? Uh, so for me, it's more of a passion and I like to be a little bit competitive as well. Uh, but over the last couple of years, especially through the pandemic, it's more just sometimes just forcing myself to get outside. And so aspiring athlete just means that I want to get better and get better over time and get better throughout my life. And I want to be one of those people that's a lifelong outdoor athlete. The amount of, you know, I see people in their 60s and 70s lapping me in Gatineau Park on my on bikes or cross-country skis or on, on foot and hike. You know, I just want to be that person that can move my body in a, in a wonderful way for the rest of my life. Yeah. Speaking of bikes, how's your bike? So I just got this. T- <laughs> okay, some backstory here. I'm going to give some backstory. So I bought a gravel bike about a couple years ago, and I was never into cycling before. You know, everyone, every most kids have bikes growing up, but I, I bought a gravel bike a couple years ago, and mm, I love it. I love it when it works. I had a whole frame issue the first year. I've got had multiple flats. This thing, like it's a little bit of a curse. This it's a little bit of a curse. But I but I love gravel biking. Uh, in fact, I just got it all tuned up for the season for 2022. I take it out. I think it was a sec it was a second ride of the season. It was a really windy day in Ottawa. I'm along the river. Got back on my bike after taking some nice pictures of Parliament Hill. Get back on my bike and it was my balance and the wind and I literally just fell over. And the rim was destroyed. The uh, the ha- I have to get new handlebars. Like anyway, it's it's all part of you know when you're privileged enough to be able to buy a bike, uh, you have to be, be ready for repairs. You have to be ready for that. But at the end of the day, I'm fine, and you know my head's fine, and my body's fine. Uh, just my ego a little bit bruised. That and the swearing on the video was great. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, yeah, I posted I posted this video and like I was still able to ride it, but the 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 wheel was like all over the place and wonky. And I and I wrote it I wrote it home two kilometers, terrified, but because I didn't want to walk home, so I attempted. And there was just a lot of swear words. I didn't realize how many f bombs I was dropping. And I sent to my friend and posted on social media. I'm like, I'm. A potty mouth. You're a potty mouth. Absolute potty uh, mouth. Yeah. That's that's from twelve years of holding in your potty mouth, though. You know, mm-hmm. control potty mouth. <laughs> control potty mouth, right? Control so potty mouth. Yeah. Now, now you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> your new podcast has been great. Well, you you bring you bring something to it that somebody like me probably could, but I, I don't, my approach is a little different. I'm looking for people that I don't know. Mm -hmm. And for the most part so far, you've entered people 
that you do know most most of them yeah most of the people but i but i also run into like in really cool circles of really rad people so i'm really not that you don't but like i just i know some yeah. really cool people right and so it's yeah. been it's been easy for some of these right it was kind of a backhanded compliment i, I did <laughs> <laughs> i said i didn't i didn't mean that I, I was like this is coming out terribly i'm the worst I'm sorry. I'm like, you know no cool people at all. No, That's what I meant by none. that. <laughs> well, we're friends now. So. Oh, there you go. There so you go. I'm, the, I'm the cool one or you're the cool one. And it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. The podcast, what does it mean for you personally? I mean, oh. we all, well, I mean, because, you, you know, it's easy to call people and talk and say, oh, we're going to mm-hmm. talk about the outdoors. But you got to have a reason to do it. It's not to get mm. rich because we know the podcast industry. You're not going to get rich. Besides some self-promotion, I mean, you're in the voice mm. business, so people mm-hmm. get to hear your voice, see you. What else does it mean to you? Um, well, go back to the money thing for a second. It'd be nice one day to build enough an, <laughs> of an audience to make money off of it. I'm going to be honest about that. But that, like, uh, but honestly, like a, a podcast, like this is very inside baseball time about podcasting on a podcast. Um, but on average, it takes three years to build a podcast audience and to build like a regular audience. So kind of in it, hopefully for the long haul and just being consistent. But that'd be nice one day to make money off of it. But going back to wanting it to be authentic, um, if, if I ever had sponsors on it, I'd want it to be like companies and people that line up with my values and line up with uh, promoting outdoor outdoor activity and, and connecting with nature. But what, sorry, back to your original question about what it means to me. First of all, it's it's an outlet to use my skills uh, on a more a very like greedy, personal side of it. It's a chance for me to use my skills and, and use that outlet, but also to talk to people, not only that I know, but people that I don't know about things that I love, about about nature. And so I think a lot of it, What's, it's not greedy. What's the word? It's very, yeah, it's just very personal, right? It's this, it's this weird mix of maybe still living out my, <laughs> my radio years uh, while also talking about something I really, I really love. But the nature part of it too, and just hearing how other people connect to nature in the same way and then and also in different ways is really, is really cool. Hearing how people navigate their sport or navigate their work and how it connects to nature and how it always loops back and how important it is to them is really inspiring for me. Also, it just gives me new perspective on and reminds me of why I love it so much. And another thing I know you love is the Ottawa area because mm, yeah. I've heard you say it. And so many, every, every time I'm like, I love it here. Every <laughs> podcast. Yeah. I'm a nerd about it. Well, sure. no, but, but it's important because you love it for reasons that a lot of people that live in this area, and I'm not too far away, I'm about an hour away, we overlook. And I mean, you, if I, I'm going to ask you right now, name off three of your favorite outdoor things in Ottawa. And you're, I know the ones you're going to say, but maybe try, I'm try it, try it. Got no park parkway, mm-hmm. the river pathway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The third one I'm a little stuck on. Mm-hmm. Um, the green belt, probably. Oh, the green belt. Okay. Yep. Yeah. La Rose forest in the East end is yeah. beautiful. Yeah. yeah I was going to say, yeah. say Mare Bleu or um, it was funny. I was talking to somebody the other day and it's, it's one of the cemeteries, which is a really funny thing to say, but one of the cemeteries in Ottawa is absolutely gorgeous when it comes to outdoor stuff. Um, it's in the West. It's out in the West end near Gonquin, I think near the oh, college. Cool. And it's full of like 
valleys. Cemetery. And, um, I'll, yeah, I'll do but it. But it's, it's, it, it sounds weird, but it's nah. stunning. It's stunning. Cool. And the whole city's like that, right? What has outdoors meant to you over the last year? Because I know the last mm. year has been a, it's been a challenge. It's been a challenge for all of us, for mm. everybody, because of you know, our friend COVID. But you've you've faced, you know, a major upheaval in your professional life, mm-hmm. you know, and then moving on from that, which is never mm-hmm. easy. So what has the outdoors, how has the outdoors helped with that? So last, uh, you know, so the layoff happened the next day, I went cross country skiing with a girlfriend. <laughs> so, you know, that's a kind of the instant thing is, is how to deal with it. I have to say that, it, you know, it's, it's therapeutic. That's exactly what it is. I think I think there's a little bit of an unhealthy obsession with it in the summer as I was figuring out what was next in my life. And I spent a lot of time on my bike last summer and a lot of time outside. And what's ironic, and I think a lot of people who love the outdoors say this, and I think uh, you can also attest to this, is, you know, when I started my business in September, I was just inside for all day, all the time, for months. And, you know, that helped launch my business. However, I was extremely anxious and I felt so unbalanced for months. And then I was like, I'm like, why do I feel so terrible? I'm like, I lost my habit. I lost that habit of not being outside multiple times, like every day, right? Like on a normal, like pre, even pre COVID or the first year of COVID, I was in Gatineau Park or just, I was, you know, outside doing activities four or five days a week, right? And now it's like, if I get to Gatineau Park once a week, I'm happy. So I've had to adjust my expectations, but I mostly noticed when I wasn't outside, I realized how anxious I was. I realized how stressful it was. I realized that I completely lost the balance and what I was lacking. And what's interesting and like to even talk, I, I don't want to quote Adam Schultz, but even to like his, his idea of you can find nature anywhere, no matter what no matter what city you're in, where what, what country you're in, even if it's a local a local park, right? So I think even just staying local and going for coffee walks, and I live in a, you know, a beautiful neighborhood downtown. So I think readjusting my expectations of what my outdoor life looks like. And the last couple of months, and now that the sun's shining a little bit more, it's been a lot easier to get outside and get outside more regularly, but uh, mostly therapeutic. And then also realizing that you realize it most when you're not getting it. Yeah, and it's funny because I think intrinsic or internally, we all, we all know the outdoors is good for us. Mm-hmm. But then we we don't treat it with the urgency we probably should. You know, we always put it off. And I think when you when you go through anything, whether it's relationship ending, a job ending, mm-hmm. uh, any any life's great events or not so great mm-hmm. events, we all almost in, intuitively head outside. And it, it's I, I I found it funny talking to people so far that we don't, we still don't treat it as thoughtfully as we should maybe. And that thoughtfully mm. might be the wrong word, but we don't think about it as being a source of healing that we probably mm. should. Mm. I think that I've, I can, I've always looked at it as, as, as healing and just knowing I, I feel better, but sometimes you need reminders. And I think life comes in waves and a lot of things that we, we don't expect. Right. So I think knowing what rebalances us or at least can offset some of the the stress and anxiety of the last couple of years. I know it's, uh, you know, sure, I lost my job, but um, 
a lot of people have been through a lot worse things, <laughs> right? So um, just just rebalancing and, and finding it. It's a lot of work. Even finding that habit again to get outside is it's still, uh, it seems like I have to work for it right now. You have another habit. It's called being a 46er. Are you looking forward no, to getting- No, I'm not yet. I'm not yet. You've never done one? I thought you I've done half one. of I've done half of them. Oh, okay. so I'm not Sorry. I'm not a okay. You're not a totally complete 46er, I'm a, but I'm you a have 20, done some of them. I'm a 23rder. <laughs> a 23rder. You're a 23rd of 46er. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. For the people that don't know what a 46er is, it's a person mm-hmm. that managed to climb all 46 peaks in the Adirondacks that are over mm-hmm. 4,600 feet high. I've done. Mm-hmm. Not as many as Marianne, but I have done mm-hmm. a few. Yeah. Are you looking? Are you looking forward to getting back? Okay, so yeah, haven't been, haven't been back in COVID for obvious reasons. I had a, I had a trip booked. Uh, it was for like the spring when COVID happened and canceled, and it is you know it is what it what it is, and didn't think it'd be two years later. But I was obs- I was obsessed with going to the Adirondacks because it's so close. It's, it's closer for you. I'm about a half hour, forty five minutes closer than you are. Right, right, right. So. They're like I, I got so into the experience of it. You know, I have this favorite place where you get a, what do you, where you can get a burrito, and there's like this pizza place and coffee shops, and um, yeah, you just you you just fall in love with it. it. It truly has a piece of my heart. Actually, I just booked a trip with a girlfriend. We're going in June, so we booked a nice little Airbnb in Keene Valley, and uh, they have some. If anyone's listening about the Adirondacks and wants to hike there uh, in Keene, I, I think they adjusted the parking and now you have to like book the parking in advance now and there's just so many people who have discovered it i've been going for probably five five years maybe six years um but it's gotten crazy busy in the the last couple years they've had to make a lot of adjustments so going back in june yeah they've actually been overwhelmed now it's going to be a little tougher because you're going to have to either hike 12 miles to the starting line or you know, oh my uh, gosh! You know, your, your twenty miler turns into a thirty, right? <laughs> exactly, right. Yeah, you know, yeah. Is there so is there one that you're terrified of doing? No, not much terrifies me to be honest. But um, mm. I know there's some hard ones. I mean, like uh, the 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 trifecta of right uh, Algonquin and Iroquois has <clears throat> put me down twice now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 we talked about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, they do. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. say you know, don't don't orphan Iroquois. So I've done it twice now. So it's like it's one it's one of those, <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things that happens. It's like you know, we when we tried the when I tried the second time, it just was, you know, hurricane force winds, and we got to the top of Algonquin and. The person I was with is much more experienced than I am in those mountains. And she went left when I was hoping we were going to go right. So we didn't, you know, we ended up coming back and we didn't get to Iroquois. But yeah, it's an amazing, it's an amazing place. It really is. They, those are fierce mountains. It's extremely technical. Um, I don't rec, like, you know, there's some, there's some smaller ones as well, but the hardest hiking I've ever, I've ever done, not at altitude. Um, like not altitude pending, like the most technical hiking has been in the Adirondacks, I would yeah, say. It's, it's funny because I go to the Rockies quite often and hike, right. you know, quite often there. And it's, it's, I, I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's not easy, but it's way easier than scrambling up the side of a mountain in the Adirondacks. I've had, to, I had multiple, like, cause I've done a lot of the 46ers by myself and there's been points where I'm like, if I, if I don't step right, I'm going to die. <laughs> Like, Ooh, let's have fun. <laughs> right? Like, if I don't reach, 
which maybe I don't have the same, you know, it's been a few years, so I don't have maybe the same um, uh, confidence that I used to. So we'll, we'll see how this, we'll see how this plays out. What's the hardest one you've done? Ooh, I'd have to like refer to my. Your list. I'd have to refer to my list. It uh, it was a it was a group of them. I'm trying to think which which ones it was. I think it was. I'm trying to remember. Maybe maybe it'll peak yours. But I remember it was like a it was like a 30 kilometer day. There was a traverse of them, and I'm completely blanking on which ones it even uh, was. But it was a giant was, and giant. No, and no, giant? Rocky Ridge Peak. And now those yeah. like that was a hard day. But no, I will remember it. Hmm. But. I think I did five peaks that day and it was like a 30K day. Why are you shaking your head? I just, I marvel at people like you that do that. I just like, it was, that's not that's just a hard day. That's a crazy day. It's like. It was like 13, it was 13 hours. I, I was in so much pain. It was, it was so, so hard day. <laughs> but I loved it. Yeah. And yeah. that's, but that's the thing, right? It's such a challenge. But when you get through it, it's such mm-hmm. a story. And it's so rewarding just to been able to do it. Yeah, I remember I stayed at it's. So what's cool about this is they have a lodge called John Brooks Lodge, and you can book it in advance, and they make food for you in the summertime. I don't know if it's still happening. I'm guessing it is, but I stayed there. I made some friends, and I'd hike out on my own. But I remember that day I hiked in, dropped my bigger bag off, and then took my day pack, and then hiked for another, you know, for another 10, 13 hour, ten to twelve hours, <laughs> and it was. I remember. The last couple hours, I was in so much pain going like downhills, just as difficult as going uphill, I find. And I remember just saying it loud and by myself, I'm in a lot of discomfort singing like, I will walk 500 miles and I will walk 500 more. Like I just kept repeating it out loud and over and over and over again. So, yeah. and I, and I made it. And honestly, like when you, when you do hard things in nature, it really, it really moves over to your real life and you're like, yeah, I can do hard stuff. I can do hard things. You've done a couple other hard things and comes to mountains. You've been to the base camp of Everest. True. Just the base, just the base camp. Nothing just the better. base camp. No. Just the base mm-hmm. camp. And also, what's the other one? Kilimanjaro. Kilimanjaro. Mm-hmm. What were those experiences like? <laughs> uh, Life-changing? Eh? Light, no, life-changing. Life-changing. So we, I went with a group called Dream Mountains. Um, this wonderful man named named Sean had climbed all seven summits, so the highest summit, the highest peak in on all seven continents. And he came back and wanted to do like a charity effort. So he did this for years and cycled through Machu Picchu, Kilimanjaro, Everest Base Camp, and I was lucky lucky to do both Everest Base Camp and Kilimanjaro. And we did Kilimanjaro first, life-changing experience. We're so lucky, you know, you get porters, you get people, locals who carry your stuff for you. I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, I did like the easiest way possible, right? Um, And then Everest Base Camp, you know, you have people and also, you know, you have both people and also animals carrying, carrying your stuff up as well. So honestly, we did it the easiest, comfiest way possible. So I want to point that out too, that uh, these people in the Sherpa, like they don't, they don't get enough credit. I don't think these are some of the most incredible, I would say athletes, like their ability to, you know, a lot of them grew up, grew up doing this, but their ability to just climb these mountains, not like break a sweat at all. And, you know, we can barely breathe in oxygen is, uh, says a lot. 
but amazing opportunity. I've never been that high before. Kilimanjaro is around 18,000 feet. Uh, Everest Space Camp is just a little bit lower than that. Just to be that high up was unbelievable to be able to push your body at that altitude. Like you're breathing like half the amount of oxygen as you are on sea level. But Everest Base Camp being able to be surrounded by the highest peaks in the world, just you feel so small. You feel so incredibly small. And every day to wake up to this beauty, it was absolutely life-changing. It was absolutely life-changing. And um, hopefully one day, hopefully I, I would go back to the Himalayas for sure. Yeah, and that's, it's, I think the biggest part of being outside in places, well, almost any place, but places like that, especially, obviously, is it just reminds us of how small we are and where we, mm. where we kind of should be in the world. And we're, 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 we're nothing. We should, yeah, we, we exactly. And uh, we like we're to nothing. think we're, we like to think we're <laughs> a lot more than that. Right. Where do you see your outdoor life taking you next? Short term, honestly, just finding a great routine again and getting back out on the bike uh, would be the best this summer. I might do a gravel race as long as my, <laughs> as long as I don't crash it again. Uh, but you're shaking your head. Um, <laughs> I want to do a gravel race potentially <laughs> uh, in September or August. That might be fun. I want to finish the 46ers, hopefully over the next couple of years. So that's the thing about being self-employed is you have kind of freedom, but you also have to work very, very, very hard as well to support your uh, your your activities. <laughs> freedom. So, yeah, I, that's a good word. Freedom. Freedom's a good word. Freedom. Yep. But at the end of the day, I want to get back to a point where I'm spending most days doing something that I absolutely love and pushing myself and pushing my body and seeing what my body can do while in a beautiful setting, wherever, wherever that may be. Now, I am going to ask you, we were talking a little bit before we started recording about mm -hmm. women, women in the outdoors. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I want you to weigh in on this because I think it's Would an important to. topic. And especially from the dad of two girls, mm -hmm. um, I, I have anxiety sometimes when I <laughs> meet, meet these younger women out and mm -hmm. the trail and I'm thinking, oh my God, does your father know what you're doing right now? Because he probably would be a little worried. <laughs> I tell I tell my father I call my my parents and say I'm going here. You don't love your I'll father be, or what? <laughs> I love them very much and I let them. They know I'm a free spirit, so like, they know what they signed up for. <laughs> no, they don't. Trust me. No. I, I'm a dad. I know they didn't know what they signed up for. <laughs> hey, they created me. It's their fault. Okay, that that they did do, but uh, yeah. knowing what they signed up for, no chance. <laughs> Can be a lot worse, to be fair. <laughs> Sorry, what are you what are you asking about women? In the I don't remember. <laughs> I, who knows? Yes, no. more women. More women should do no. more activity. And, and I know, but th yeah. that's what you talk about all the time. Like not mm. all the time, but a lot of your guests have been female so far, and you mm. you all talk about how important it is to empower women and everything. But tell me what it's like to be. And you, here you are doing solo mm. in the 46ers and mm. you're doing those solo. So again, the dads mm. of the world are getting more gray hairs when their daughters are off doing these sorts of things. I don't care right. who they are. And I know it can't be easy. It can't, it's got to be, and I don't mean physically, I mean mentally and psychologically, there's just a lot more for women to worry about when they're outside. The number one worry about I won't speak for all women. I'll just speak for myself. But when speaking with other women, this comes up a lot. Uh, it's not animals. It's not Mother Nature, which are unpredictable. It's humans. 
yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's humans. And it, there can be a worry, you know, I've, you know, I've had awkward moments with men in nature before. Like I've had a guy, you know, hit on me and ask for my number before, actually in the Adirondacks. But otherwise, that's that's more the main that's more the main problem. But also, you know, I I still get a little freaked out when I hear uh, something in the woods. If I hear like a noise or something coming, I've ran I've ran into bears before. I know that you have some friends who ran into like a wolverine, uh, which is wild. But it takes a lot of it takes a lot of time outside to be comfortable. It's about being prepared. Uh, it's about have you know telling people where you're going. So I think there's a lot of things that women like. I encourage men to do those things too. Be prepared and tell you people where you're going. But I feel like women have to take extra steps to be prepared, and it takes a lot of confidence over a lot of years. I find to be completely comfortable in nature alone. But to be honest, I don't think I would camp alone. I'm very much just like I love a comfy bed and a warm shower at the end of the day. But yeah, I don't think I would camp alone. But it can be it can be scary when you're out there alone for hours, don't see anyone else, and you're like, am I going the right way? But I think being prepared is is number one. And there's something extremely meditative about being outside alone. So if you are a woman listening and, and you need some inspiration, um, there's a lot of wonderful women on on Instagram and social media to do so. My friend uh, Victoria from uh, Vicky from Girl Gone Good, she it's girlgonegood.com. She has a lot of wonderful resources on on hiking and hiking alone and preparedness. So I want to give her a little shout out. Yeah, I'd say that's the number one thing is being prepared and uh, knowing where you're going. Yeah, and that's you. You were saying you know prepared then as a as opposed to women being prepared and a guy being prepared. And I mean. For me, it's about, do I have the basics I need to survive if something goes wrong? Mm-hmm. And there's w- there's way more depth to it for a woman, obviously. Yeah, I think a lot of those things cross over, like, you know, your food and any kind of emergency preparedness. But also, you know, I know a lot of people who bring, you know, GPS or, again, they tell people where they're going. I like to print out maps, actually. <laughs> Whenever I can, I like to print out a map just in case. Yeah, there's, there's a whole list of things. And I think I think a few of those things lap over, but or crossover, but maybe not, maybe not all of them. <laughs> What's the most fun you've had outside? Oh, geez. Oh, that's a, oh, that's a hard, I don't have, I don't have a, like. Yeah, you do. So I have too many. No, examples. the most thing, the, the thing that you, you think instantaneously came to your mind as soon as I asked the question. The best, it's the best more, time. it's, it's not one time. It's okay. when I'm with, I love solo hiking. I do. And, I do majority of hiking and outside stuff alone. But when I'm with people that I love and some very close girlfriends and, and male friends as well, and we we go out and just talk and talk and talk and snack and eat and get great vistas or don't get great vistas or reach the peak of them. Like it's about bonding and some people that I'm closest to is because we have had outdoor experiences. So I can't nail it down to one. You have to accept that as an answer, um, but <laughs> I don't really have a choice, do I? No, it's like, <laughs> but there's two things that I can also think of. Um, it's maybe it's a little bit of the adrenaline junkie in me. It's when you're like flying down a hill on a bike. When you're flying down a hill, <laughs> that's awesome. See, yeah, that's something, and or, that's something you've had since you were a kid. You know? Or like you know, um, being able to like f- fly down a hill on cross country skis at like 40k an hour, right? <laughs> 
is yeah. terrifying. You know, that would, but that would that would I have no experience with. So right, yeah, 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 it's the best. So yeah, like that's fun in a way of um, like hitting, you know, hitting your max. Right, that's the way of like the the adrenaline of it. I think is that's a that's another kind of fun. I think. That's like hanging off a cliff in the Rockies or something. That's when the adrenaline. Nah, that's not fun for me. No, <laughs> no. So you don't no. you don't you don't want to go to the Purcells this summer and no. climb the no, no, that's fun. Via no, Dorada? that's a bad yeah. idea. No, <laughs> I actually have a small small fear of heights. So a small fear. Yeah, yeah, I get a little Any, anything, anything over five thousand feet. <laughs> Just any kind of cliff is not my cup of tea. So. <laughs> life lesson or lesson that you've learned from the outdoors and you would say to a 12 year old girl here's why i do what Ooh, I, do. I love this uh so whenever i like post something on social media i always think of would 12 year old marianne be proud of 33 year old marianne so it's funny that you bring that up that's one of my favorite things is i want younger women i want people to be inspired and want to find their own way and find their own thing that f fulfills them i would say and i kind of already said it already but one of the biggest things i've learned is that being able and maybe maybe this is too competitive of me uh, but being able to push your body and bond with people at the same time and it's not all about doing epic things, but being able to do those things outside while being in a beautiful space and breathing fresh air can translate so well to the rest of your life. Like constantly, I refer back to, you know, when I'm getting frustrated about my taxes or the government or something isn't going well or a client. I remember this is very small. This is like, you can do hard things, right? So that's one of the biggest things I've learned is um, you, can do hard things and uh, most of it's just in your head. Marianne Iveson is the host of the Let's Take It Outside. Let's do it again. Marianne One Iveson. One more time. Want me to do it? Want me to do it again? <laughs> yes, you do it. Marianne Iveson is the host of Let's Take This Outside. You can head to letstakethisoutside.ca to find out more. Thanks, Marianne. <laughs> was that nerdy? That was the worst. Nah, that was good. I overtook it. That's it for episode 10. Thanks to producer Sarah Simpson and social media director Alina Simpson for their help this week. Our theme music and sound logo are by Titan Sound, John Sanfilippo. Make sure to tell a friend about the podcast and send them over to the podcast page at northernlatitudes.ca. I'm Bill Alt. Find your way to Northern Latitudes. Northern Latitudes.